0: xzbn dot
1: Hi,
2: everybody, and welcome to Dialogue with Divinity. Our show is really focused. On bringing to you the wisdom keepers of our time, the visionaries who are here to probably give you a new vision of a new way of living your life. So, my name is Johanna Carroll. For more information relative to what I am offering you, you can find me at johannacarroll.com. We have a wonderful visionary today with, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is about motherhood. So I want to introduce to you Susie Lula. She really is considered to be an expert in the field of human transformation. She has very innovative teachings over the last 18 years of her private practice, master's degree training in spiritual psychology, and she really is transforming the way that people think about motherhood. Her challenges in life as far as conventional thinking or the old way of doing things says that, and I can relate to this being a mother in the 60s, that mothers have to sacrifice and they have to martyr themselves to be good mothers. It's kind of an old paradigm. She is changing our thinking about that because Susie's concept is that we go to from sacrifice to self-care and really loving ourselves at a very deep, profound spiritual level. So, what is she doing? She's redefining motherhood as an evolutionary path. Her credentials are very extensive. She's been on the Today Show with Michael Michael Beckwith, who really has always called her a visionary in her field. She has shared the stage with many, many great illuminaries of our time, including Neil Donald Walsh and Dr. Tisbari who wrote the conscious parent. So I really want to welcome you to the show, Susie. It's so nice to have you on dialogue. Thank you for being here.
3: Oh, thank you so much, Johanna, for having me. I've also been looking forward to talking to you about our favorite subject here.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I you know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer and so I came from the generation of revolution where a lot of mothers were staying home and didn't necessarily want to stay home. So there's a whole paradigm shift there. So, you know, we kind of... uh, the whole you know superwoman syndrome kind of thing you know we we said we're going to go out there you know we had bella abzuk and we had gloria steinem and all that saying you know yeah we need our freedom so now not only are we our a mother but we're out there working trying to prove ourselves in this new paradigm and quite frankly we were completely burnt out if you ask a lot of people from my generation would you have preferred to really stay home and nurture your children Um, You know, what would your choice be? And you know, the majority of my friends, they would have preferred now to stay home. And so I'm not saying that, you know, that's where we are today. So we've kind of gone from this revolutionary concept to your motherhood evolution, which is your brand new book. And I'm really encouraging anyone that's listening to this show to go out and buy this book. So you talk about the evolution, and I think there really has been an evolutionary journey relative to motherhood and the concept of spirituality. So why do you feel that self-care is so important right now to parenting, and particular mothers?
3: Yeah, what a great question. And, you know, um, I so appreciate where you have come from, because what I find in working with mothers all day is that what we all have in common Whether we're working mothers, whether we are stay-at-home mothers, whether we're combo, you know, some work, there's single moms working two jobs, there's Mm. stay-at-home moms. What we all have in common is that we have been indoctrinated by culture that tells us that our doing is more important than our being. So even stay-at-home moms, you know, they are indoctrinated to think that it is the doing part of motherhood that is more important, that brings us value. And we have devalued our beingness, we've devalued our spiritual connection. And self care really gives us the permission to reconnect and nourish our own spirit, so that when we do all the tasks, there are many tasks, you know, involved in being a mom. But when we do those tasks, we're bringing a sense of enriched being and a nurtured sense of our own being coming to those tasks.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, in my own personal practice with people, I I really talk a lot about uh, serving the soul, rather than, you know, moving from this concept of thinking, if I do this, I'm being really selfish. No, why don't we yes. take a look at it that you're serving your own soul. So very briefly, before we take our first break here, can you speak to the culture's message that self-care is still selfish?
3: Absolutely. If you ask anyone to you know, fill in the blank, they will say self-care is selfish. Culture indoctrinates us. It teaches us that we need to be doing all the time to find our value. And that's important to culture because it keeps us buying products, right? Because when we think we, we're not enough, we need to go out and get the next thing. So culture doesn't really want us to be taking time to, quote, do nothing, to be still, to create spaciousness, to feed and nurture and nourish our own spirit. And I think it's time for us as women to basically say, you know, we know deep down inside that this does not make sense, that this is really an insult to our intelligence. We've just bought into it for a long time. And I think it's well, time yeah, for us to been, band together, yeah. you know.
2: There's definitely been some kind of programming, and I really feel that it's supported by the media. You know, it's kind of a mixed message. Well, you know, you should have a spa day. Well, how am I going to have a spa day? You know, I'm going to have a spa day, so I'm guilty that I'm not even having my spa
3: day on some level.
4: This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com
2: everybody. We are back with Susie Lula and we're talking about her wonderful new book, which is the motherhood evolution. We were talking about the influence Susie of uh, the culture and the media, which is a big part of influencing our culture and our thought process. And still the concept that if I take care of myself, I'm being super, super selfish. So why do you consider self care to be a form of a spiritual practice in someone's life?
3: Yes. So just to complete on what you said, it's so true that culture places us in a double bind, right? I rarely have a day that goes by that a mom doesn't tell me that she either feels guilty for taking care of herself or not taking care of herself. So that's why I say that that self-care is really not for the faint of heart to really empower ourselves as mothers to say we know deep down intuitively that the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to take care of ourselves, to create a connection inside of ourselves so that we have better connections with our kids. And I do elevate this practice of self-care to a spiritual practice. It was when self care became non negotiable in my life, and I really treated it as preciously as a meditation practice or mm-hmm. a spiritual practice, going to, you know, out in nature, something that was really non negotiable for me, that my life truly changed and my connection with my son really deepened and became more intimate so for you're pretty specific for yourself
2: on you know going out in nature which i feel is you know god's the universe's temple church on some level and meditation yeah. but can you give me some other examples because i think a lot of people get stuck on this word spiritual and you know Absolutely. it's definitely not necessarily a religious thing it's it's a much more profound personal Absolutely. connection
3: Absolutely. So first of all, I'm all for redefining this word self-care, right? Self-care isn't really about massages and manicures, in my way of thinking. In my way of thinking, it's something much deeper. It's anything that nourishes our heart. I find that we moms, we're overwhelmed, we're exhausted, we feel isolated, we're doing the best we can, and many times feeling that we are not enough. And so when we redefine this word self-care to say it's What is it that my heart is seeking right now? These things can be so simple. So they're free. They don't take a lot of extra time. It can be something as simple as making a shift to when you are cooking dinner or you are doing the, you know, dishes, you ask your heart, you know, what would serve me right now? Maybe it's choosing very consciously a particular kind of music or different piece of music while you're cooking breakfast for your kids in the morning or Starting your day while you're cooking, uh, doing laundry, you are learning to appreciate yourself and really have a practice of looking at the things that you do appreciate about yourself rather than the things you judge about yourself. There's many, many practical practices that we can do that really enrich your consciousness, your inner connection inside of yourself that don't take extra time. they're, They're free.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, um, well, if I'm going to do something spiritual, I'm going to really take care of myself. It has to be this radical extreme thing rather than something just very beautiful in the present moment. Like, you know, when I am preparing this meal, just taking a breath and connecting with the energy of the food or the color, you know, some tiny little shift. So someone that comes to you that says it's either all or nothing what are some of the tools that you're giving them? Say is a brand new person and they've called you and they said, I just read your book and I need some help. And I know what you're saying, but I'm stuck. So what's the first thing that you would say for them to do in that present moment?
3: Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's such a rich question when you answer it for yourself, because what nourishes our hearts is different for every individual. So like you said, you know, maybe putting a piece of music on for someone is just going to light them up. And one evening they're cooking dinner and they put on a very soothing piece of music and the next morning they're cooking breakfast and they make sure it's something lively. And they're like dancing around their kitchen. You know, it's a completely some, some new person coming to me today. You know, I would mm-hmm. ask them what nourishes your spirit and ask yourself. It's such a dignifying question to ask your own heart. What is it that you need to feel enlivened today? What is it that would have you not feel like you're dying on the vine, but that you're awake, alive, aware? And it could be, you know, putting on music and dancing in your kitchen. It could be something like in the evening. It's a really challenging time for moms, the evening time, bedtime, brushing teeth, you know. um, (laughs) Yes, it could be something as simple as turning off some of the lights and lighting a lot of candles around your home. It Mm -hmm. could be, it's those kind of simple things that bring a certain ambiance, a certain aesthetic, a certain way of connecting to your heart. Now, if lighting candles isn't really your thing, then don't go do that thing because you think, oh, you know, lighting my candles is going to, It's it's really got to be something organic that your heart will always answer you if you ask, you know, what is it that you need today? Today. And today
2: is the the key word here. So you call mother guilt an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And then I know that you also see that there really are some mothers Mm -hmm. that feel they're completely spiritually bankrupt and it's never going to happen to them. Can you explain that a
3: little bit? Yeah, well, two things. What I find in working with mothers is that we all have such a deep connection with our child when we first meet them, whether they're our biological child, whether they are adopted, or or even when you think of looking at an infant or looking at your child when they're sleeping, there's some kind of connection that happens between a mother and a child that is unlike any other connection. every mother i've ever spoken to agrees with this and yet when we get caught up and mired in the doing tasks of motherhood we can so easily get disconnected from this really precious connection that is that that we all know is inside of us and we're all really seeking to reconnect and to you know, keep alive that connection that you think of when you're looking at your child peacefully sleeping, you know. And so really this is about finding ways and practices and a way of life that says the most important thing for me is going to be to continue to light my own flame inside of myself because if I don't have a $100 bill, I can't give you a $100 bill. So much as I want that deep connection with my child, if I am disconnected inside of myself, I, I'm kind of bankrupt. I don't have it to give to you. That I, And that's what moms so desperately yearn for, is that peaceful connection with our children. So how
2: is self-care a doorway or a portal to... Feeling really full or prosperous and abundant, you know, from the spirit. How do I go from being spiritually bankrupt to very wealthy spiritually? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and why is it important to mothers to, I guess, to, to feel that way? Why is it necessary? Great question.
3: Yeah, great question. So, the moms that I work with, myself included, it's so easy for us to feel like, well, I'd love to take care of myself, but I don't have enough time. I don't have enough support. I don't have enough resources. So when you hear yourself or when I hear myself saying, you know, oh, I just had one more hour in the day, you know, mm-hmm. I first True. need to recognize that many of us moms are living in a paradigm of lack. When I think I don't have enough of something, that's a paradigm of lack. So I first just need to become aware, oh, that's a paradigm of lack. How do I get myself then, to your point, from a paradigm of lack to a paradigm of abundance? When I do something as simple as putting music on, you know, in my car on the way to go pick up my son from school and I'm kind of rocking out in the car and then, you know, I'm sitting in traffic, but I have this great music on, what happens is when I find something that really nourishes me, I move out of a sense of linear time. I kind of am like out of, I'm not thinking about the traffic. I'm not thinking about, oh, how, you know, making dinner when we get home from school. I'm really in the moment. And that moment becomes exponentially expanded. It's, I I transcend the linear time. Then when I go pick up my son from school, I got a big smile on my face. Any child will tell you they like their mom better when their mom's happy. When their mom's happy, they're happier. Now, when we take ourselves out of this linear time, that's the good feeling of abundance. Abundance is an anxiety-free consciousness, a stress-free consciousness. So these self-care practices take us from thinking we don't have enough time to the good feeling that happens when we are so immersed in something we love, a painting, coloring with your child, you know, something that takes you out of time itself. That places you in the paradigm of abundance.
2: Yeah, so we're almost, um, I would say, on a biochemical level, there's sort of a brainwave state, not an altered state necessarily, but we're definitely shifting into Mm -hmm. a different brainwave state, which would connect us emotionally to another state. And so the women that are coming to you, are a lot of them on
3: medication? You know, that's such a, we could spend an entire show on that. I bet Um, we could. Yeah, many, many are because many moms, we moms, we're trying to do good by our kids. We want to be the best moms we can be. And we do have this feeling of falling short and we're disconnected inside of ourselves because culture says, put your kid first, put your kid first, put your kid first. So we're doing what we're told to do. We're doing what we think we should do. We end up feeling exhausted. We end up feeling disconnected and depressed. Um and yes, many, many mothers are on medication and I promise you I'm going to do research to prove this out. I promise you, taking these steps in my book, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not pro or con medication, but what I am telling you is that you will feel so fulfilled inside of you. You you cannot feel fulfilled inside of yourself and depressed at the same time. It doesn't mean your challenges are going to go away it means you're going to be able to come to your challenges more inwardly fulfilled and connected. Right. So
2: we're going to move into the next segment of our show. And as we're doing that, I just want to remind you that Susie's book is called The Motherhood Evolution. And she really focuses on moving from sacrifice to self-care. And when we come back, I do want to talk about, you know, this other sort of body, mind, spirit connection of the emotional, people are emotionally bankrupt too. So we do want to talk about that. Why is that essential for every mother? Um, And I also, I really want to bring up a subject that I want to put in here about fathers Who are really taking that role of being a mother. Because we're seeing a lot of that right now. So again, we're talking to Susie Lula. She definitely is a visionary. She's shifting the consciousness of going from the revolution of driving me crazy being a mom. To the motherhood evolution Mm -hmm. from sacrifice to self-care. So we want you to stay with us. This is Johanna Carroll. Our show is Dialogue with Divinity. You can find more information about my show on johannacarroll.com and again Susie's book Motherhood Evolution you can find her on amazon.com so we're going to take a very very quick break we're going to come back and we are going to talk about emotional self-care fathers and how they work together so we will be back in just a few. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dialogue with Divinity, and this is your host, Johanna Carroll, and with a wonderful visionary guest today, Susie Lula, wonderful book, The Motherhood Evolution, one of my favorite subjects, children, mothering, fathering, that whole family dynamic, you know, and we're looking at it spiritually, and we're also looking at it body, mind, spirit, the whole unified connection. So we were speaking about the fact that, you know, we talked about spiritual bankruptcy, what you can do as an individual person so that your bank account feels full a little bit spiritually Mm -hmm. and get that moving. And now let's talk about the emotional self-care. And I know it's essential for every mother, but you know, I think it's really essential for fathers too, because in the Aquarian age, the divine feminine has a very loud voice. And I mean, you know, the whole metaphysical teaching on that is that she is here to lead the way for a new day. And so, We do see more fathers really getting involved with their children. We also see single parents that are dads, too. So, you know, I just want to stop for a minute and ask you, I know that your book is called The Motherhood Evolution, yet to me, there's an aspect of mothering that also belongs to men. So do you think that men are more in tuned with this whole concept of the emotional self care or is it more a feminine thing?
3: Well, this is a great question. and i I learned so much from fathers. And I do agree with you wholeheartedly. there are so many men that are jumping in single fathers and even just husbands that are so participatory in the family in a way that they hadn't, you know, been generations ago. I have found that the guilt and the martyrdom that happens for women is more of a feminine. Um, condition and many men I actually learn so much from fathers because many of the men that I work with they don't have the same kind of guilt They, you know my husband can say in the middle of the day you know I'm going to go take a 20 minute nap and then I'll be up and you know, inside of myself, I used to go, really? You're going to go take a, you know, 20-minute nap <laughs> at 3 in the afternoon? How like, dare you? How dare you know? No. Yeah. How dare you because take care I, of yourself? <laughs> exactly correct. And so what I've learned is that men have not been indoctrinated culturally the way that women have to put everyone else first. And that's the reason that, you know, I wrote this book first and foremost for mothers, because I think that to give ourselves the liberation and the freedom to learn um, I say now that it's an insult to my intelligence when culture tells me that, you know, I shouldn't go take a 20 minute nap to then be refreshed and be the mother that my son needs me to be. I want women to empower ourselves. I want us to have the courage to break away from these cultural messages and say, you know, I hear the cultural message, but it doesn't me- mean to need me that I follow it. And when enough of us come together, and say, oh my gosh, you know, I took a 20 minute nap while my child napped, or I took a 20 minute nap before I went and picked up my child, and I was a better mom for it the rest of the afternoon, or I'm certainly not suggesting that's what you need to do, but it's more just give ourselves the permission to follow our intuition and what's being called for from us. You
2: know, I remember when I was um, a lot younger, and of course, this is a long time ago, (laughs) And my mother had Mm. this thing. My mother was a nurse. She was a working mom. And I do remember, but she didn't work every single day. And so I do remember that there was a time in the afternoon. And I mean, I'm talking about, you know, I'm like 11, 12 years old. I'm not like a baby. And I remember my mother had this thing that when the sun hit the floor in the living room in a certain time of the afternoon, she would lay down on the floor she would put her arm across her eyes, and you did not mm. go near her. You let her have mm. that moment. But here's the thing. My mother was smart. She told us, and she asked for it. And She said, this is my time. I need to rest. And unless the house is burning down,
3: you are not to bother me.
2: And so I, th- mm. I, I learned from my mother to ask for what I call my me time. And even now, you yes. know, my kids are in their forties and you know, I'm married and all of that. But even with my husband, I, I need my me time and he understands me time. So now he has his me time too, which is good. But I think a lot of people don't know how to ask for that me time. You know, they really Absolutely. don't. And then if some Yeah, and if someone else is doing it, you're gonna get you're gonna get annoyed. You're gonna get pissed off, pardon my language, but yes. you really are. Yeah.
3: You're annoyed when someone else can give themselves the permission that you yourself cannot give you. And in the book, I really talk about um, asking for what you need, because when we do become committed and dedicated to even exploring self-care as a way of life, we recognize that that what comes with it is that we're going to be asked to stretch in certain areas. And for women to get in touch with our own needs and our desires, and then have the courage to actually carry that out and ask for what we need are are courageous acts for many, many mothers, many women out there. And I know I've done the same with my son. You know, he just knows there are certain times that this is the time either I'm meditating or exactly what you're saying about your mom. You know, if it's my time, my son, I think, it's great for moms to model this to our children because they respect it. They intuitively understand that we all need to be restored, refreshed, rejuvenated. My son sees how much I quote, do for him. And he intuitively knows it's important for me to refill, replenish. And, and he respects this and then our connection is more intimate our connection is deeper more authentic mm-hmm. and it models to him to for him to take care of himself and one day he's going to you know probably have a partner and to be a supportive partner when his partner needs time and If my son feels me, you know, getting a little on edge or, you know, frustrated or whatever it is, you know, he'll often say to me, moms, you need to go take some time. And he doesn't mean (laughs) it. He means it very, he means it very respectfully. Yeah, it's a loving, yeah. I'll usually say, yeah, I'll usually say, yep, I'm out of (laughs) here.
2: Well, I think a lot of you that are listening need to remember one thing. There's a very ancient teaching that says, ask and you shall receive. And I think women you know, maybe it's part of that whole, you know, suffering concept that, you know, still exists floating around out there in the consciousness. When you ask, and you do receive, it gives you permission not to overextend, but to create a really healthy boundary. So you're creating a healthy boundary for yourself, you're showing your children what a healthy boundary looks like, and you're creating a really good, healthy dynamic within the family itself. So don't be afraid to ask for what you wish to receive instead of blowing up, because I think that's what happens. Women get pushed and we are emotional beings. And so instead of, you know, sequentially asking for a little more me time, we just blow up, you know, and, and that doesn't serve anyone. So one of the things that you talk about in your book, and by the way, just reminding everyone, the book is The Motherhood Evolution. Go buy it. It's a fabulous fabulous consciousness shifting book on how you can do motherhood a brand new way from your heart and soul. You, you use the word mutuality.
3: Tell me what that yes. really means. What does that really yes. mean? Yes, Yeah, I kind of coined this word mutuality of mutual benefit. So oh. whenever I am caring for my own self, when I come in an enriched if I so to follow up on what you were saying let's say my son says to me you know mom do you you need to go take some time and I say yes and I go sit in my chair and meditate or whatever I choose to do and then ten minutes later I come back to him and I'm a different being I'm more enriched I'm more calm I'm more centered I'm more joyful I'm more connected inside who benefits from that not only me But my son, my son is the beneficiary when I come to him anchored and calm and connected to my joy. So I always say it's mutually beneficial. It's not only going to serve me to become more joyful. It's going to serve our children. They Mm -hmm. are going to light up when we are fulfilled. I also feel
2: from that illuminated point of view That things that are confusing in the dynamic of the family or for the mother and the child and even their own, you know, personal relationship, you can go Mm -hmm. from um, something that's maybe confusing or somewhat chaotic to more clarity of communication. There's just more, more clarity that shows up. So in this mutuality, in terms of the whole dynamic of the family, and so the... How are these mothers reporting back to you? Are they saying, you know, here's the good news. Here's what's really happening with a whole family as a result of following these steps in your book. What's the feedback you're getting?
3: This is the most thrilling part is the feedback that I've been getting. First of all, I've been getting so much response from women, just simple. Thank you. You know, we are all just yearning for this permission to do what we know inside we should be doing. And so Then as it overflows into our families, one of the biggest things, and you alluded to it when you were talking about boundaries, boundaries is one of the biggest things that happens in the parent-child relationship, how to create effective boundaries, how Mm -hmm. to get out of power struggles, all of these kind of what you were saying, frustration, yelling at our kids, all these different things that we don't want to do, blowing up that we end up doing. When a mother begins to really give herself permission, it's the permission to care for herself. What happens is she almost immediately, and I know people think, oh my God, you can't tell me that dancing around in my kitchen is going to change my relationship with my children and my spouse. I'm telling you, it's going to. I get emails, calls every day from people who are telling me, The way my child and I interact now is completely different because what now, when a mom, see, we have trouble setting boundaries with our kids because we haven't given ourselves permission to have a boundary and right, for sure everything about your relationship with your child will change. I can tell you in my experience, you know, one thing with my son and I that used to happen was I would just roll my eyes when I'd walk (laughs) into his room and his room was a mess, you know, and I would go, Oh my God, I thought the hurricane was on the East coast. I didn't know it was on the West coast, you know, who knows the things that would come out of my mouth. But when I have taken care of myself, I still have to deal with assisting him To learn to clean his room, right? That's going to still be there. The challenge is going to be there. But the way I come to the challenge Mm -hmm. is not. I'm not emotionally spewing. I'm not frustrated. I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm able to really talk to him and say, okay, let's talk about this, you know? And my son is so much more receptive based on how I approach him. This all comes well, back I also, to
2: healthcare. Yeah, I also feel that when you're more spiritualized on some level and you're looking at the bigger picture, it's not an attack on your son not cleaning the room. It's the energy of the room that needs some help, and so it becomes more of a a neutral subject, if you will, so that you know your kid doesn't feel like you know you're backing him into a corner and you're on the attack. So I just want to talk very briefly before we go to break very briefly on what's the ultimate spiritual path in
3: parenting the connection with your child every mom wants that deep connection with their child ultimate connection
2: okay so we're going to take a break and we'll be right back
0: GeneX provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun
2: Hi everybody, this is Johanna Carroll. Welcome back to Dialogue with Divinity. Our conversation today is with Susie Lula, author of The Motherhood Evolution. You've really stated that your mission is to see millions of mothers meditating on Mother's Day and every special day and that this will contribute on a higher level to the consciousness of world peace. The world is in a very, very divisive, chaotic state right now. How do you feel that meditating mothers really contribute to world peace?
3: Yeah, excellent question. And um, I want to just combine this answer with what we were speaking of before the break. I want want to keep it real practical with, you know, the cleaning of our kids' rooms and the brushing of their teeth at night and the getting them in bed and homework and all of these different real-life tasks that we as mothers are needing to assist our children with. And so what happens is that we have this misperception in culture that if we take care of ourselves, if we, you know, start meditating, if we do all these airy-fairy things, then we're going to end up being really lax parents. And we have an either-or mentality. Either this, you know, airy-fairy stuff is going to make me not have boundaries with my kids, Or I need to just have these boundaries and I don't have time to take care of myself. And I, I want to really state that I'm believing in a both and equation. It's not an either or I believe in a both and that these tasks, my son does need to learn to clean his room. You know, kids need to brush their teeth at night, do their homework. But what I'm saying is that when I take care of myself, I, the, what happens is What's more important than the cleaning of the room is the connection I have with my son as I'm asking him to clean his room. It doesn't matter if my son has a clean room or straight A's on his report card if he feels disconnected from me. So I'm saying let's get a connection going, and that way when I'm speaking to him about brushing his teeth, doing his homework, good grades, finances, all these different things, I'm, I'm creating a connection with him. Now, how this um, applies to meditation is that meditation is very challenging for mothers because mm-hmm. we have this laundry list of to do. So when we sit down and quiet, try to quiet our mind, this whole laundry list comes up. Well, I didn't do this. Well, I should be doing that. And it's very challenging to quiet the mind of a mother. And so I have developed this particular meditation practice where I really let go of the idea of trying to quiet the mind and really try to help a mom open her heart, relax her mind into her heart. And I've gotten such great benefit and feedback around this that I really have begun to envision, well, what if mothers every day were taking this time to just connect with their heart. It doesn't need to be a traditional meditation practice where you're oming, you know, for 40 mm-hmm. minutes and Yoga your position, mind all is that, yeah. blissfully, yes, and your mind yeah. is blissfully pure. It needs to be a way of connecting with your heart for five, 10 minutes every day, how that would impact our relationship with our kids. And then I call mothers the most untapped, spiritual collective on the planet. Can you imagine if all of us moms came together on this planet? What a voice we would have, what a power we would have. So that's why I'm seeking to connect us globally, a global sisterhood. Um, Just imagining moms all around this planet, meditating for five minutes a day is is Mm -hmm. such a powerful collective, you know? I think people also need to remember that there is such a thing as an
2: active meditation. So you talked about music and you talked about dancing. You know, there's a whole teaching about the whirling dervish and all of that and the energetic spin and what happens, you know, to the body, mind, spirit uh, platform in the oversoul when that occurs. So you don't need to sit down and because I have so many people that say, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. And, uh, so I know for myself, a real simple tool that I give people is imagine that there is a golden bowl underneath your feet. And as you breathe in, breathe in a blue light, go through the top of your head. As you exhale, you know, you're going to follow the red light down. So you got a blue light going up and red light going down. So they're, they've tricked the mind and they're focusing on the colors. Yes. However, yes. And that is really a good way to get into a more peaceful state so that you eventually don't need to do that. However, Cooking a meal, even doing laundry, going for a walk, dancing, singing—those are active meditations. So it's still a form of connection. I mean, meditation has always been taught in the Eastern tradition that it's watching and observing. So there's also a very active energy piece of it as well. So I, you know, I think it's really important that people listen to what Susie's saying and put that music on and dance around the kitchen. Yeah, and I, I used to do really that all when I was um, making dinner, and my kids would kind of give me a funny look, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm having a I'm having a good time here." They still remember that, by the way, so absolutely you, they will, yeah. Yeah, I know it's great. So you stated that when children learn self care, bullying mm-hmm. will end, and this is such a huge, huge. challenge for for children today i mean my heart just breaks when i hear these bullying stories it's uh it's a really big problem um huge you know i i do kind of believe that a lot of this begins at home you know you can't expect the teachers to be the panacea of every single problem you know it's got to start in the home so how does self-care add to this solution over this really really massive problem
3: and i would i would like to say too i would love to gift My book to every teacher on the planet (laughs) because teachers are also overworked, exhausted, underpaid, undervalued, and they're dealing with bullying on top of crowded classrooms. And, you know, I could do another whole show we could do with teachers, you know, but um, bullying Bullying, a bully has a big mouth. They are trying to be heard. They are trying to be seen. They are trying to outpower. Mm-hmm. These are children who um, don't feel seen, don't feel powerful, don't feel connected. These are children who are disconnected. Every child is born onto this planet feeling connected inside. So Mm -hmm. they learn to be disconnected and they're shouting out to be cared for. So I have I've seen this over and over and over again with the clients I work with who have had challenges with behavior with their boys and their girls, just their kids. I have found this when the mom starts taking care of herself, the child starts seeing the change in the mom, the child starts gravitating to the mom. The child is then modeled, oh, this is what it's like to take care of myself. A deeper connection happens between the two of them. The child starts to feel more seen and starts settling down. And I'm going say one more quick thing. A simple, simple practice. If you have a child that's really you have some behavioral issues with, get a picture of yourself as a mom when you were young. And find a picture of your child when they were young. And at night, yeah, at night, take three minutes, either with your child or on your own, and look at your own picture when you were an infant, when you were a young child, you will connect back to your own sense of innocence. And you will start to see that in yourself, connect to that, and then you will start seeing Seeing that in your child, it's a simple but very, very powerful practice um, that I, I've never had a mom come to me saying that this practice of looking at herself as a young child didn't profoundly reconnect her to her own essence. And That's spirit. a really
2: great, you've given our, your, our listeners a Thank really, you. really great tool. Where can everybody find your book? Besides Amazon.com, is that the place you want them to go? And
3: where is your
5: website? Amazon.com.
3: My website is Suzy Lula. It's S U Z I L U L A dot com. And you can, you know, buy the book on Amazon through my site any, you know, either way. But the important thing is, after you buy the book, is to come to my site. You'll input your receipt code, code and you will receive a guided meditation called Permission Cute. to Thrive. Nice. And, um, Yeah, as well as a couple of free webinars that I offer and a lot of other, you know, just free resources. I have tons of videos and blogs and real practical ways. Um, You were asking about the feedback, real practical feedback that I've gotten from other moms of how they have found the time or made the time. Real unique ways that moms have started journaling and art and just a lot of resources. So it sounds
2: to me that you've really created a motherhood community on your website yeah. along with your book. And so that the the, re, the motherhood revolution is really in a good place with the motherhood yeah. evolution with Susie Lula. I just want to mention briefly, me- I wrote a book this year called the lost art of loving. And I talk about, Ooh. you know, the emotional relationships. And one of the things that I do talk about is the new children of love. And I do feel for those mm. of you that are listening, mm. um, that you might want to check that out as a compliment to Mm. what Susie's doing because we are seeing a different kind of child on the earth right now. They're very wise. Um, They really tell you how they feel. They're very direct in their conversation and they really have a lot to say. So the teachers that are listening, we want you (laughs) to to go and get that book from Susie's website and your blog and everything else. So as we wrap up here... I also want to tell everyone that's listening, besides thanking you, that for all you mothers that need a break and you need a retreat, (laughs) I am offering a beautiful retreat um, that's going to be happening in Maui. And that's going to be happening in uh, May of next year. So again, this is Johanna Carroll. My website is johannacarroll.com. We've been speaking with wonderful, wonderful Susie Lula about the motherhood evolution, this amazing book which is all about moving from the concept of guilt and sacrifice to self-care, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. Get your pictures out, start talking to your kids, and we're sending you lots of love. And thank you, Susie, once again for being amazing guests.